Okay, thanks everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Laura, for sitting down with me today. With crisis communication is such an important topic right now with the pandemic, social unrest, and so much more, including the speed with which everything is shared today. This has brought crisis communication to the forefront of business discussions. Um, you both have an extensive background in crisis communication, so I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourselves. Kimberly, let's start with you. Okay, great. Thank you, Janice. So I'm Kimberly Kaler, president of AOE, and one of my specialties is crisis communication. Over my 25-year career, I've handled, um, you name it, chemical spills, job site accidents, fatalities, um, the, the list goes on and on. Obviously, social media has caused quite a, uh, a stir with regard to crisis as well. I am trained from and certified through the National Transportation Safety Board from the FAA with regard to crisis. So look forward to sharing um, my experiences this, uh, this time together. So Laura, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Kimberly. During my 20 plus years in communications, I have gained extensive experience in counseling executives on crisis and reputation management at both the national and local level. In addition, I've managed a wide range of projects and initiatives, some of which have been implemented as best practices. Thanks, Laura. Um, okay, first question that I'm going to ask you both. Um, with all the talk about crisis communications, is it safe to assume that most organizations are putting an emphasis on creating a crisis plan? I'll go ahead and jump in there. And unfortunately, the answer is no, but many don't realize that. The pandemic did us a disservice in many ways because so many organizations were responding to a crisis. So they were gathering, they were meeting, they were figuring out the next step and then acting upon it. And then they would gather again. So if you take a step back, you may realize that your organization may be acting out of habit or out of pattern, but not actually out of a true plan. And it's really key that you take a step at this point and look at if you have a true plan, um, if it's strategic and thought, um, making sure that it's, you know, very well thought out and all of the key players are ingrained in it. Um, otherwise, you end up with a lot of decision fatigue. And that's where so many of us are in terms of just continuing to repeat the next thing pops up social media, social or uh, yeah, something happens on social media, social unrest, then the next phase of the pandemic, mandated vaccines, etc, and then having to respond from it. So there is a dis difference between issues and crises and 90% 90 90 of crises can actually be prevented and planning is really key for that. Laura, I'll kick it off to you. Thanks, Kimberly. And the plan starts with this question. Is it a crisis? It is if the answer to any of these next questions is yes. Has it had or can it quickly have a, ne a negative impact on your company? Are there safety risks involved? Is this a single occurrence? Are authorities, regulators, media, or law enforcement involved? Does this event have the potential to grow into a larger scale crisis? We recommend organizations create a crisis plan that at a minimum establishes a mandatory internal notification system and telephone contact list one that also identifies the people and disciplines within your company to be included on a crisis management team. 
Also one that develops a contact list of appropriate government, regulatory and public safety agencies, as well as any news organizations that may need to be notified. And also identifies and gathers details on company facilities where mishap could have a public safety implication and ensure that evacuation plans are in place for those locations as well as for nearby residences and businesses. The plan should also provide for training of key personnel as well as tabletop exercises to test the plan periodically. Sounds like a good plan that you need to have in place. Mm -hmm. um, how can an organization improve coordination among internal stakeholders, for example, executives, local office, corporate departments before any communications are issued to the company or the public? Well, I could take this one. Um, it starts with the creation of a cross-functional crisis response team. If you don't already have a crisis team in place, getting those subject matter experts to the table is vitally important. And help your employees understand and feel they are part of the plan. Communicate with them early and often. Also, prepare template communications for a range of scenarios and secure approval for those beforehand. Obviously, each situation is different and will likely require communications that are specific to that situation. However, if you can get the general language approved before it's actually needed, the approval process can be significantly faster. AOE has developed communication temp uh, templates for clients, stakeholders, they cover a wide range of crises and scenarios. Kimberly? Yeah, great, great answers and suggestions, Laura. I'd like to add to it that it's really important with the plan is that you actually practice it too. So over the time that I've handled crises, we've had plans in place, but we've learned some hard lessons with regards to actually practicing it. So we may revisit the plan, look at the plan, but key to actually engaging your stakeholders, the leadership is actually running through scenarios as well, uh, instead of just updating it. And then informing the employees about what's going on is really key. There's a lot of crisis horror stories of the crisis is happening, the plan's in place, everybody's in either the, you know, the, the physical room is what it used to be, that the meeting room where they were going through figuring out the action steps. And nobody bothered to let the front uh, desk receptionist know what was happening. So the media was calling, maybe the media showed up, other employees, and there was chatter. And, um, you know, the, the crisis was just exasperated from that standpoint. So making sure that all of the team players, um, you know, of your organization from leadership to employees know what's happening on and give them as much as you can in terms of factual information. Obviously, you can't share all the details. You may not have all of the details, but in a time right now where it's really key and we know that, um, you know, employees are really seeking to trust the organizations with whom they work and work for. It's really, really crucial that that trust is, is earned through, um, you know, that type of communication. Mm -hmm. um, well, Kimberly, let me ask you, how have you persuaded a client to take a particular action with the media when they've been hesitant? Has this happened to you before? It, it 
it has, and it's actually really, it can be really, really tough. Um, and you have to realize that we're dealing with a lot of heightened human emotion in many cases when this is happening. Um, and it, it's hard enough just to stay above water, if you will. But for those who are struggling, share an example of a crisis that affected another organization and how they didn't get out there and communicate and then show the results of that and what happened. Um, I can tell a lot of those stories. Uh, leaders tend to speak in terms of finance. So if you, know, you can show any sort of stock implications or what it, the impact is gonna be on an organization's reputation, that's really key to resonate as well and share that with them. Watch other companies and if you see something really impacting them because they stayed silent, you can say, this is the ramification of us not saying anything that's most impactful. And I was noticed this morning, every morning when I read my news feed, um, it seems like almost every day now there's actually articles that not just highlight a crisis that has happened, but there's an evaluation of the crisis um, in terms of, you know, when XYZ company, when this happened, how did the executives handle it? So we're in this court of public opinion now where we're actually all rating how organizations are handling their crises. So that's a really good way to employ the leadership as well. Um, helping them understand that the media is going to march ahead with or without them. I have a journalism degree and background. The majority of our team is journalists. So we can really help you understand what a journalist or how maybe a journalist is going to be approaching something, which is really key. And then show this leadership that taking action does not have to mean sharing all your secrets. And that's really the key thing. It's really a matter of being responsive, sharing what you know, sharing what you don't know. Laura, do you want to jump in here? Yes, thanks, Kimberly. Um, often hesitancy uh, comes from inexperience and a fear of saying the wrong thing or being caught off guard. Media training by an experienced crisis management team like AOE is essential to getting people to feel more comfortable speaking on behalf of the company and teaching them how to handle those curveballs that come from the media. In addition, providing key messages and talking points will help ensure that your company's spokespersons are prepared. Ultimately, it's important to remember that reporters are not the enemy. They're just doing their jobs. Some are easier to deal with than others for sure, but when they are treated with respect and spoken to truthfully and sincerely, they are more likely to report factually. Also, um, I would suggest consider arranging an interview with a friendly reporter to start on a positive subject. Once your leaders see the resulting great story, they're more likely to want to do it again. Mm -hmm. That said, some just aren't com comfortable talking to media. Pushing them to do so is stressful to them and could lead to mistakes. In those cases, it may make more sense to look at someone else on the team. AOE can assist in identifying potential company spokespersons. And if I can jump in and add one more thing to that, I'll share that, you know, in traditional crisis communications, identifying who that media spokesperson is really, really key. And it's not necessarily the highest individual in the organization that should be your spokesperson. Um, maybe it's a VP level, a senior level. It needs to be someone who can speak with authority for your organization. But if you always have the top person come in and if they're not able to answer the questions or maybe they flub up a little bit or can't say something or didn't say something correctly, it makes it really hard to recover from that as opposed to someone that's a little bit down in the hierarchy. 
So that's a real key best practice. Janice, back to you. Thanks, Kimberly. That's great. Great. Um, Laura, my next question for you is what is the most important skill you try to teach your audience during media training? Uh, yeah, Janice, I would say be responsive. Understand that the media is going to report the story, hoping that no one will talk about it if you don't will potentially result in misinformation and a narrative controlled by others. It can take years to build your company's reputation and minutes to destroy it. When media reach out, um, respond, even if it's to say, I don't have all the answers at this time, but we'll follow up when I do. And then be sure to do it. Make sure you're doing that follow-up. Kimberly? Yeah, and I'll add to that the importance of key messages. So crisis communications is really a, a chance to get the messages out about your organization that you would want to get out in a positive nature. You know, maybe um, a key message is related to your company's safety practice or safety record or that you're sustainable, um, you know, other things like that. So we tend to ramble when we don't have the answer. So understanding what those key messages are, having them outlined, and then practice, practice, practice. So no matter what your politics are, I, I encourage you to you know, watch Meet the Press, for example, because no matter what side, you know, Republican or Democrat that comes on, they're usually very good about always coming back to what their message is, no matter what, um, what the question that's thrown at them. So there's a lot that can be learned with regard to that of really delivering uh, the message you want to showcase. Great. Thanks, Kimberly. Um, I do have a question for you, Kimberly. How would you create a sense of urgency both for communi crisis communication preparation generally when specific episodes are developing? Well, the plan's going to outline how fast we act and the methods of engagement. Um, and the sense of urgency needs to be expected so we all jump into action and not get overwhelmed by the fast pace. And this, again, is where practice, not just practice and being familiar with the plan, but also um, familiarity with the team. And that's where a lot of organizations have made uh, mistakes in that yeah, we work together all the time. We design buildings together or we work together on um, designing this widget or building, whatever. But it, you need to make sure you've actually practiced with that sense of urgency in um, different type of scenarios, working as a team related to this type of topic. And then with attention to a plan and prepared statements, you're able to ask yourself, what do we want the lasting impact to be six months from now? So that's key. And it even goes beyond what your key messages are. But typically when we are in a crisis situation, we don't have the time to pause and ask, hey, what do we want our lasting memory? Six months from now, a year from now, what do we want organizations and, and people and the and general public to say about how we handle this? And that's really key. And if you have all these other pieces in place, you can stop, pause, ask that question, and it should be able to help guide you. Laura, I'll pass it over to you. Thanks, Kimberly. Um, people on social media are going to tell your story whether you communicate with them or not. Um, I mean, who do you want to be in control of your narrative? The media? Some guy who decides to speculate in a tweet? Or you? Um, I love this saying by, uh, or from President Theodore Roosevelt. In any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. 
Great quote. Thank you, Laura. You know, with your background in crisis communication, Laura, what is the biggest mistake organizations make during a crisis? What I have seen over the years and continue to see is that people, these organizations that ignore it, while no one wants to deal with a crisis, pretending it isn't happening or hoping it will just go away on its own will only make the situation worse. This applies not only to media, the general public, customers, clients, and vendors, but also your employees and your stakeholders. And lacking transparency, organizations that are not sincere, truthful, and honest in their communications are quickly called out, particularly on social media, creating greater damage. Lastly, communicating inconsistently, sporadically, or worse, not at all. Organizations often believe in communicating only when they have all the answers or after the crisis has passed. This leads to speculations, rumors, anxiety, and a loss of faith in the organization. It's not only okay to say, we don't know the cause yet, but we're working 24-7 to get the answers. It's imperative to thwart the damage that speculation and rumors can create. And I'll tag team with that that saying playing the blame game is actually incredibly detrimental. It doesn't resonate at all with any of our audiences. Um, pointing figures does not resonate well. Owning it doesn't mean falling on your sword for those responsible. It will, however, increase respect and faith in your organization. So that's really key, especially in today's court of public of opinion. Many organizations are being dragged into or associated with a crisis, um, whether they were involved in it or not. Uh, the recent Florida condo building collapse, for example, we helped some clients through that situation and many had nothing to, to do with it, but because of the type of construction they do and speculation in terms of that type of construction, they were quickly looped into it. So it's really key to you know, take a step back and be able to respond very um, transparently and very sincere with regards to where you are um, and not just shifting blame. Yeah, great. Um, what do people care about when a crisis happens? Laura, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, uh, people only care about five things when a crisis happens. They want to know first what happened, who's responsible, what are you going to do about it, when can I expect an update, and how will you make sure this doesn't happen again? The very first thing you must do in a crisis is make sure that you have a full understanding grasp of all the facts. The next thing is to determine based on those facts, what audience or stakeholders are going to be most impacted by the situation. And with your stakeholders, do you have a sense of their expectations? Would, you, would they expect you to respond to, to them directly? Would they expect a public statement or both? As you're doing your strategy, make sure you're focused on closing any gaps that may occur. Great. Thanks, Laura. Kimberly, can you answer that question for me? Um, I would just state that it's really key um, with regard to when a crisis happens, the, the caring element. 
really is is what people care about. Again, if I go back to this whole court of public opinion, um, we're being rated at this point in terms, not necessarily facts, um, unfortunately, but the compassion that we show. So that's really, really key and really important to show empathy on all sides of things. Okay. And, and how do you know when or even if you should respond to an incident? Well, that's, that's a tough one. Um, and I wish there was a one size fits all answer to that one. And I've learned that it depends, which is a, a really great uh, answer. Um, but key to success is to go back to that pre-planning. If we've done a good job of identifying what the issues are, you can really create a decision tree. Um, and we do have those for some clients, especially related to social media. With regard, if you're being attacked or a competitor saying some things on social media, do we respond? Do we not? It's based on this factor, that factor, factor, et cetera. Also asking yourself, what are the things for which we're going to absolutely stand? So that's part of that pre-planning. What are the most haves in terms of when we are going to speak up for our brand? And when you do go along with the pack versus standing alone, what does that look like? So there's certain things that come up that are probably more industry focused where you don't have to be the one out there taking a hit, but you may want to be able to respond as part of the industry as well. So again, that's where that decision tree could be really helpful, um, maybe aligning with partners. And then what are things that you're going to just handle on a reactive basis as well, since we can't script out every possible scenario. And if you think about those types of topics and things in advance, that allows you not to make an impulsive choice when you're asked to respond. So I know that's a very conflicting message as we're telling you here, pre-plan, respond to the media, respond to your employees, respond to your stakeholders, make sure that you're quick to respond. And sometimes actually the answer is no response. But again, it comes back to that pre-planning and understanding it. Laura, do you want to jump in here as well? Yes, thanks, Kimberly. You know, every situation is unique. Um, it starts with determining before the incident occurs, what would be considered a threat level to your organization so that your response fits the threat. I, I recently attended a PR News webinar on crisis communications um, and one of the panelists, Conroy Boxill of Porter Novelli, Atlanta, made a really interesting analogy between crisis threat levels and something we all know, the stoplight. Um, you may, for example, face a red level issue, like a major glitch for an airline that creates a serious delay in flights. As you would with a red light, you stop and your attention is fully focused on that issue. Conversely, a green issue may be something that you're aware of, but you keep things moving business as usual. However, as you move forward, you're keeping your eye on that side street just to make sure something unexpected doesn't come out of nowhere. And, and when you get to a, a yellow light situation, that's where you pause and slow down. Well, the same thing is true for organizations trying to determine the risk threshold. Is it something that we can drive through and we'll be okay because it's fairly routine? If it's something that requires our attention because it's a yellow, we should pause and allocate the appropriate response or resources and responses. So how do you know if it's a serious threat? There are two questions you should ask yourself. Are our values or value proposition at risk? And is our relationship with key stakeholders at risk? 
If the answer to either or both is yes, then you have a red level crisis. Thanks, Laura. I love that stoplight analogy. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. How will you know when your current crisis is over? Well, when it's over for media, it could be different from when it's over for your customers, clients, the public, or employees. Now, media are going to move forward at some point. They're moving on to the next topic. Their inquiries may shift to something else or actually become focused on a related after story that asks, for example, how are you taking care of your employees? And everyone, and I mean everyone, wants to know, how are you going to make sure this doesn't happen again? While you may feel the crisis is over, until you address these questions, it likely won't be for others. Another thought is to gain insight into your employee's perspective. You can get a good sense of what stage of the crisis you're in by doing this. And you can do it by gathering feedback. Ask them how they're feeling. Also, monitor their spaces to see if the conversation has shifted. Things will be mostly back to normal, or they may appear to be mostly back to normal. But that doesn't mean the crisis is over. It's now time to address what kind of cleanup we need to do for each of our different audiences. And Laura, Thanks, I'll Laura. jump on with that in terms of the cleanup. That's a nice segue to if you ask yourself, what is the memory we want to leave about this three months, six months, a year down the road? Start to evaluate what that looks like um, with your stakeholders. Remember that social attention span is usually pretty short and typically your social audience move on to something else pretty quickly. But with traditional media, national outlets may have moved on, but there could be a local angle that's still impacting the audience. So it's very different to each in terms of what return to normal may be. Um, and then also making sure you're taking a chance to debrief on this, um, you know, considering how to learn from it and how that actually adapts your crisis plan, identification of issues moving forward as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Kimberly, for sitting down with me um, and answering all these great questions on crisis communication. I loved all the answers. Um, thank you everyone who's joined us today. Please visit our website, aoeteam.com. Be sure to join the conversation and follow us on social media. Um, anything else, ladies? No, thank you very much, Janice. And thank you, Laura. Thank you both. Thank you.